0: So there are a lot of things I have in common with the people who listen to this podcast. But one of them I'm fairly certain I do not share with many of you is my love of the Tour de France. I love the Tour de France. I really do. I mean, I love bicycle racing. I follow it. It's a strange sport. It's not interesting to watch on television, uh, unless you're, it's like cricket. You have to totally know the nuances of it to love it, but I do love it. And John Wright, you are here, overhearing me talk about this and I sense you don't love bicycle racing.
1: I can't say that I, is the Tour de France on right now? It is, that's what made me think of it. I see. It's it's tour time. Oh, I see. So how many hours a week does that uh, consume? Oh, for me?
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like uh, I check in once a day, take about ha- half an hour, let, watch the little 10-minute highlight, read a, read a couple articles. Mm. Um, if I'm driving to work, I might listen to a Tour de France podcast where people analyze the emotional content and the relational interfaces of it. It's, it's a soap opera. Love the it. Tour de France is a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, I mean, it's one of those things that it's it's very difficult to communicate to somebody who doesn't care about it why it why it's interesting or why it matters or why it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't matter to me, but I it matters that it matters to you. Does that make sense like I can I I understand what it's like to be passionate about something and excited about it? And so I love that that's on right now for you. Yeah, yeah, but like you could be passionate about probably in almost everything all the
0: way down to checkers if you really got into it there's nuance oh yeah 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 and and you can go deep in it right right and some things like chess you you can watch chess and you know that there are depths it's it's easy to see that there are depths to it or or you 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 get around coffee snobs and, and you know that like there's roasting and 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 the way that they pour it or the way that they make it and then latte art like you even if you're not into it you can tell like there's a
1: lot there there's a lot there do you generally feel like you could get into uh, an sort of an almost infinite range of things like because i feel glad that the world is full of things to get really into and obsess over and and communities of people because i always think man, given enough time or given enough, whatever, I might join them. I might be, I might get into that at some point and I'm glad that it's there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I mean, I, there, I, I, I am a wildly curious person and I get into lots of different things. And, and oftentimes the things that I am into, I find that the other people that are into them cannot grasp or show any interest in the right. other things that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is this, is that I oftentimes come across things and go like, nope, that's in a million years, I couldn't get into that. Although I, I, maybe, maybe I'm being too dismissive because there are some things where I really didn't, you know, I, I was actually talking to, um, to my son Roman about this the other day. It's like abstract art. Mm -hmm. Something that, you know, for years I went to museums and just didn't have any time for it, didn't have any interest in it. And then Marty started getting into it and actually began painting herself. And I really didn't understand it, but I was interested. And so, you know, because she was interested and so I started to go like, well, if she cares about it, I want to understand it. So I, you know, I read some stuff and I asked her some questions and she was pretty patient at explaining it to me. Um, and and it releasing me from thinking that there was more to it than I, I was thinking there's something deep here and I'm missing it. and I'm angry at this art form for making me feel stupid. And, um, and she was like, man, it's just really like you look at it and you're not looking for anything. There's no message there. It's just... Do you like the way the colors flow? Like does it does your eye move around the canvas? Do, does it reward you for looking at it the way looking at a at a sunset might, or a way looking at a at, at, at the beach might at the at the water? Yeah. And once she just sort of said, like, hey, it's really about the visual experience. And 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 sort of said, like there could be really great art that's not for you. And she said, "If you don't get it, if you don't like it, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not for you." Yeah, yeah. Approach it simply, and that helped me a lot. And you know, and since then, I have followed it. I, you know, the person that I I thought was the dumbest of them all, the one I really didn't like, was Mark Rothko, mm-hmm. because you would go to see a Rothko, and it's just like a big slab of color right in front of you, just like that That, that canvas is orange, with a, like it has a, a, a box of orange. And then there's a way of looking at a Rothko where you let your eye move in and out of focus and you move around the canvas and there's layers of color, layers of paint. And, and, and sometimes a Rothko will begin to glow in your eye. Well, now that guy's my favorite artist. I mean, mm. I have books of his, I've traveled, I've traveled to see his stuff in other places. I mean, it's a really big deal. Wow. To me. Yeah. You, you were a convert. Yes. So that, <laughs> I, I, and so I think that that's the thing is I, I, I can be converted. I think, it, and maybe everybody can, if they're open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely things where I make a sort of a consider, like a considered decision that would require a certain amount of effort to gain access to it and there's there's nobody there like there's nobody doing it that I really want to get to know <laughs> you
1: right, know right. um
0: like marty was my motivation to to learn about abstract art cuz it was a part of her life and yeah. i wanted i you know i wanted to get next to her and and in, in, in the same way it's sort of like my mother becoming a real fan of soccer when i played and it was just because like oh if that's important to him I want to be I want to be conversant in it and then she was around it enough that she ended up sort of thinking this is really interesting you know like it, it became it became a thing in its own right for her it yeah, became something yeah. yeah so anyway now the fact that you are here John is a clear indication that we're going to do a Q&A episode right now and so I think we should cut right to the Q and then we'll get to the A which is really an R cuz we don't have any answers but
1: but <laughs> but there are some responses. Yes, question and question and response. Okay, yeah. here we go. Okay. Bart, I feel like I'm on my way out of faith. I really like church and I like the comfort of believing in God. The problem is I don't think it's true. I've been on my way out a few years now and it's accelerated the last few months. It's very unfortunate timing because I am very much in love with my Christian girlfriend. I'd still like to marry her, but I'm very cautious. I've been communicative with her. She doesn't seem to mind what I believe as long as I support her belief. As I weigh the pros and cons, I consider, well, as long as I like the church, I can keep going with her. I definitely see potential points of conflict like tithing, praying as a response to events, and that sort of thing. How sustainable is a marriage like this? If I'm contributing to her flourishing by attending church with her and she's contributing to my flourishing by being with me, Everyone wins, right? That's the that. <laughs> so, that there's
0: the there's the question. Everyone wins, right? And the <laughs> yeah. answer is wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so? Do you think that's wrong? No, I, you know what? I mean, it's obviously it's a big question. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I love this question. There, there's something about it that just touches on all the th- all, all kinds of things that I'm interested in. This guy seems like he's very well. He says he's very much in love, and I love that. I love when people fall in love
0: yeah well that's nice i'm glad you're happy
1: um and then try to figure out how do they how how do they make the rest of everything else fit yeah which it's the hard part they, yeah
0: <laughs> i mean it's funny it's funny because at one point in the, as i was listening to you to to read that i, I think he says uh It's very unfortunate timing. Like the guy's on his way out of the faith and it's like, it's very unfortunate timing because I'm very much in love with my Christian girlfriend. I'm like, no, buddy, it's great timing. Like (laughs) not a a minute too soon. There's still time. Um, And I know that there are people that will call me unromantic, but in general, um, if you figure out that your worldview is, radically different from the person that you're planning on partnering up with
1: um, and you've and there's still time to get out
0: y- you probably want to get out
1: yeah it pains me to hear you say that uh, but I know why you're saying it and and I'm sure you're right yeah I mean you know when somebody says I'm very much in love it's always difficult to say to somebody
0: love you know love isn't enough right um love comes and goes the kind of like being in love and loving somebody in as in the verb sense of the word are two really different things
1: yeah and and when you're in a romantic love that's that's an addiction in the brain right so you're telling people to step away from the the thing that they're most addicted to
0: yeah like it's it's definitely it clouds your judgment yeah um it's a form of insanity when you're when you're initially in love but even i think when you're My guess is that because this is a guy who's still in the faith himself and he's very much in love with his Christian girlfriend, whose Christian identity is is significant enough that he's telling us about it, they're probably not living together. They're probably not sleeping together even. I mean, they may not be sleeping together. And so um, sometimes that sustains the mystery and the excitement. and the romantic enthusiasm longer Mm. you know the the anticipation is so sweet Mm -hmm. Um, but all that means
1: is it clouds your judgment longer well when you say clouds judgment what i think of is maybe a first lesson here which is when he when he's thinking about all of these you know how to judge how important her belief is how compatible they are maybe Suspect your own powers of of rationality here, to a, to an extent. Like scrutinize your own discernment about <laughs> it, because right? Yeah, you may. He's probably looking for reasons
0: why it'll work. That's he wants what. That's, to, yes, right. That's what he I'm wants saying. to make it work. Yeah. And so, um, what's interesting is he not only needs to scrutinize his judgment of how committed she is, how dogmatic she is. What 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 the nuances of her particular theology are. Like, is she one of the there there are Christians who believe that if you're not a Christian, you will burn in hell, ultimately, no matter how nice you are. That's there there are other Christians that are like, yeah, everybody's getting saved. You know, there are other Christians, hyper progressive Christians who are like, We're, you know, maybe we're just really using the word God in place of the universe. And, you know, we're not talking about a person as much as a kind of a a a a mythology, a, a way, a mythological way of describing a deeper existential reality. You know, those are all really
1: different possibilities. And yeah, but doesn't doesn't that isn't that a good thing in this case that she has room to slide within the Christian spectrum uh, that wouldn't land them in you know the deeper waters of incompatibility? It's both a good thing and a bad thing in the sense of, first of all, I don't know where
0: you know. Let's assume that she's a, a relative, like if she's willing to marry him, um, then she's probably not th- as as a, a, the hardcore dogmatic kind of Christian. Because yeah, I think it rules she,
1: out a complete fundamentalist.
0: Unless, <laughs> unless this is a, a long
1: con evangelism game where it's like, I'm going to marry you and <laughs> bring you in. Well, that's classic in all relationships, isn't it? Everyone wants to change each other. <laughs> right, and
0: people sometimes do, you know, missionary date or even occasionally missionary marry where they're like that's a way to to draw somebody in. But let's assume that she's not that. Right. When I was doing nonprofit stuff, you know who's the most likely to give a big gift to your nonprofit? Somebody who's been giving small gifts.
1: <laughs>
0: because you you know, the act of getting them to start giving at all, that's the big jump. Well, it's the same with religious commitment. When somebody identifies as a Christian, you know, she might be that kind of Christian now, but he may be on his way out. She may be on her way in. And she's going to be hanging around. If she's hanging around church and stuff like that, there's always the possibility that some dynamic Christian preacher will swing into town. Tony Campolo will show up <laughs> and get her to to you know to understand that that, that God wants a, a more total commitment from her and she should consider missionary service or or radically serving the poor or changing her lifestyle in some way or giving up television. Like you say, well, that could happen to anybody. I'm like, yep, I, but there's a qualitative difference between somebody who's got room for God in their life and it's the amount that we're talking about and somebody who you know has completely cashed out.
1: Yeah. No, I agree there and there's, there's certain ways of holding Christian faith like a casual way, you know, like the way some people talk. Yeah. And it doesn't really affect the rest of their lives. <laughs> like, you know, they say it but it's yeah, they're able to. Yeah. But if she you know, she she goes to church every week and stuff like that. It's fair to say she's fairly serious about it, at least on that level. Maybe. I mean, I know people that went to church every week and they weren't serious about it. It was just a lovely ritual or it was a
0: nice community mm, to be that's a part true. of. That's true. And And I still know people like that. Um, and some of them are on their way out, like our buddy here who likes church and he likes the comfort, um, you know, and he doesn't think he's going to be able to hold it. So what's interesting is that he can see that he's on a trajectory. Right. And I guess the thing is, but he's talking about her like she's this kind of Christian. And I'm like, you know, you might want to, her location isn't nearly as important as her momentum. I mean, sometimes people stay the way they are spiritually or stay the way they are in any other way. But most of us are in some kind of movement where most of us become more so or less so of certain things. And so, yeah, I think it's the same way with materialism. Um, in terms of, and I don't mean sort of philosophical materialism. I mean, I like stuff and I want money. Mm -hmm. Um, I've known people who still, I have a friend right now, very materialistic guy, very much judges people on like how good a shape they're in, what kind of car they drive, how much money they have, um, how they dress, but he's identified it as this hasn't worked out for me. This has brought me in like the, the kind of women I've dated on this basis have not worked out. Those are not the relationships I want. He's sort of he's sort of seeing where it came from in his life, in yeah. family stuff. And so he's on his way out. Like he's becoming less materialistic and I really think that he, you know 10 years from now, he's going to
1: have a very different value system. Yeah, and and therefore very different relationships. And so if if somebody met him at a bar right now,
0: saw him pull up in his BMW, Wearing his fancy, you know, sort of like that Ryan Gosling character in, uh, in, oh gosh, what was that movie where he's a player? Steve Carell is his buddy. Do you, do you oh, know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy Stupid Love. That's it. Yeah, good job. If you saw my friend pull up, you might go like, there's a guy, if if I want to end up, you know, living the high life, that's my guy. Well, you, you, you know, you, you might be really disappointed. You, you you don't just want to check his location. You want to check his trajectory. So so that's one thing. One thing. The other thing is: what about raising kids? What about comforting a friend who's grieving over the death of a loved one? And you're sitting there, and your wife says, "Listen." I, mean, I know he's, you know, I, I know she's with God and God, God will be pleased to see her and she'll be, she's looking down with love towards you and waiting till the day that you'll see her again. And you're over there going like, this is a mess. I like that's that. I don't believe any of that. And, and you want to, you want to comfort in a very different way. And so I think that that can be the, you know, the, that can, those kinds of things, or, or what, what, what it it comes to like your economic stuff and, and, and your spouse says, "Yeah, I want to give a bunch of money to this organization. That's, you know, raising money to, to, you know, to, to, to convert kids in Africa. And you're thinking, gosh, I, you know, evangelizing people into a supernatural narrative of hellfire and brimstone. Like I'm not down with that. Um, so, so, you know, it, it, or, 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 or just the idea of like, we're going to give 10% of our
1: income to this, to the church.
0: And you're like, wow, you know, like, I, I actually, I don't want to do
1: that. Yeah. I was going to ask um, you what you think about some of these potential points of conflict that he mentions tithing, praying uh, when events happen. Yeah. Can those be worked around? I have some. Yeah. Like, again, all depends.
0: Mm -hmm. But, but what I would, you know, but what I would say is, is that the kid thing is really important because if you're marrying somebody who's dead set on raising their kid in the faith and says, listen, as long as you let me raise the kids in the faith, it doesn't bother me that you're not in it. They're sort of dooming that person to a second class relationship with their kids. We're like, I'm not allowed to say who I really am or I'm not allowed to challenge these beliefs. And you go like, oh, no, no, it's open. We can have a dialogue in our house. And I, and, and I go like, okay, well, well, how's it going to feel to you if your wife is more successful than you are at drawing your kids into her value system? And so your your kids don't share your worldview. Mm. Is that okay with you? Because it sort of sounds a little bit lonely to me. Mm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, Humanize Me producer Katie here to let you know that we've just introduced a new newsletter perk on Patreon. This means if you support the work we do at any level, you'll get Bart's new monthly newsletter, which is just another way of connecting with us and getting content like this. So check us out at patreon.com backslash humanize me. Thanks! Was it really important for you when you were kind of on your way out of the faith to that that Marty was kind of with you? Like would it have been a completely different story if she wasn't? Yeah, I mean, yes it would have been a
0: completely different story. I don't know what that story would have been. I might if my, if Marty had was a, was a, a devout Christian, you know, and I'd sort of gotten her in, we 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 had married in on that basis and stuff and then I was changing and she wasn't with it, I might have been prone to like
1: try to find my like to keep my mouth shut yeah like be be quiet about your doubts and things like that yeah which again or, or like you expressed i'm sure there were moments where you expressed doubts about the faith to marty and you guys talk enough communicate enough in your marriage to where she always knows what's going on in your head and you know what's going on in hers and she, but i'm sure there were moments where she could have said i don't know about that part that seems a little far-fetched and if you if if that happened enough you might start to keep it to yourself, right? Like you said, I,
0: I could imagine that. I mean, I, I yeah. I, I mean, I know some people that are married in situations where they say, you know, if I was honest about what I believed, it would be the you know, my wife would leave me,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: my husband would leave me, and they're not willing to risk that, right? And you say, well, I, I would never lie that way because intimacy is so important to me. And I go, like, that's the weird thing is, like, even if you don't lie. Um, if your if 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 your wife lives or your husband lives in a world that is animated by spiritual beings that speak and that have to be appeased or or have to be have to be guarded against and and all that they're living in a different world than you are they they're they're seeing a world that you're not seeing and you're living in a different world than they are with different things at stake and everything and so. Even you say, you can lose intimacy with somebody by not being honest, but you can also lose intimacy by being honest and coming to an honest realization of, I, I don't get what you're talking about. It's like the Tour de France. Like, like <laughs> Right. I see why that's, I see that that's very important with you. I don't get it at all. It leaves me cold. And the person goes, wait, this thing that is central to
1: me leaves you cold? Right, I feel like I leave you cold. Is this something that you could find out by sort of st- sticking with dating for now and see see how it goes? I mean, I mean, I, th- I think
0: that's kind of what dating is all about. But he doesn't—he doesn't mention having a conversation with his girlfriend about how they would raise children, mm-hmm. and maybe he's not ready to do that. But like, that's an important question. Yeah. And what would be your goals in raising kids? Would your goal be to raise kids? who are critical thinkers and who respect people who believe all sorts of things and recognize that like, it's okay to make any choice that you want to make and you'll still be loved and, and, and accepted by both parents. Because if you raise a kid with that kind of openness, the chance, you know, that, that, that's, that's actually, that actually shifts the person more towards the possibility of being like the the, the non-believer. Because once they start, hey, we're gonna we're gonna expose our kids to all different religions, and we're gonna show them all different narratives, and then they can choose one. Well, once they see that all these narratives look, you know, lined up against each other, have certain things in common, certain things that are not in common, they're like, well, they can't all be true. So I guess the other ones aren't invented, and I can't tell the difference between the invented one and the other ones because they all look. Oh, maybe they're all invented. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. A lot of Christians are like, yeah, I don't want to do a comparative religion thing. That's not how you teach a kid um, the way in which they should go. You, you, you talk to them from the time they're very little about like the reality of God and you, you have them praying to God before you ever get philosophical about it. And like you know, I I would, it would be hard for me to watch somebody inculcating my little kids into a worldview that had ideas like grace or original sin or hell or, in judgment. Like th- those those would be hard things for me to watch somebody going like, "Hey, we're going off to church, Dad. See you when we get home."
1: Yeah. No, I keep coming back in my mind to this idea that it really matters what kind of Christian she is. If she's having like a daily conversation with Jesus, every, you know, every hour, that's yeah. a very different kind of hey, I, Yeah.
0: And I don't want to I don't want to be all negative just about religion. Like you know somebody comes to me and says i'm marrying somebody who's 20 years older than me i go like uh you know you just raised the degree like marriage is hard anyway you just raised the d- degree of difficulty and you say like why we love each other so much and i go like yeah um you're in different places you see you like, like perspectives change over time right go like no i'm going to feel this way 20 years from now too and you go like y- y- you won't like <laughs> And you can't. We're playing the percentage game here. People that think that their love is above being influenced by the things that influence other people's relationships are naive. When somebody comes from a really chaotic family situation, with lots of trauma, the same way somebody can see a sailboat sail by and go like, I want to sail in one of those. But like wanting to buy a sailboat and knowing how to sail it are two different things. Sometimes a person from a chaotic background is really attracted to somebody from a stable family situation, because they're like, that's the sailboat they want. But just cause they want it doesn't mean they know what to do with it. And so, you know, and, and you say like, well then are those people doomed? you go like, no, no, no. But like, they have to know they're gonna take, they're gonna need some sailing lessons somewhere and maybe they need to have some sailing lessons before you decide to sell them your boat. And you want to make sure that this is a person who's who takes seriously the fact that like there's something to learn about working through conflict or communicating or you know, uh, you, you know, dealing with financial struggles or wh- whatever it is that are those kind of relational skills that people need to have. Yeah, like if, if somebody said to me, hey, I'm we're getting married, and like he smokes and I don't. And I'm like, okay, that's actually, that, that raises the degree of difficulty in a marriage in a lot of different ways. Wait, are you saying that if people really have different values or lifestyles or convictions, that it makes it harder for them to develop intimate partnerships? And I'm like, yes. It doesn't, it doesn't make it harder
1: for them to be buddies. And so is, I mean, I guess a lot of suffering could be prevented if you were to stop incompatible people from falling in love. (laughs) Yeah. But like when you're in love,
0: like what's funny is all those things that I just said make it harder. Those are also really romantic Mm -hmm. things. The very thing that makes it unlikely that you will do well over
1: time makes it so hot in the beginning. Yeah. Differences attract. Yes. But then differences make it harder. Make it harder to stay together. To stay together. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long he's been with his girlfriend because if, I mean, if they've been together five years, Mm -hmm. I sort of feel like that that would count for something here, you know? Or if if they've been together six months, maybe not so much. No, here's
0: the thing. On the contrary. If if they've been together for five years and he was a Christian for all that time, and now over the last few months or the last year, he's coming out of it, not only do I not know what kind of Christian she is, so I can't answer this question, but I don't know what kind of humanist he's going to end up being. Like He's thinking he's going to be where he is now, but like a lot of people, once they really come to the conviction, this is nonsense, then they get angry. He's not angry right now, but he could get angry he could go like, this really screwed up my sex life. This really screwed mm. up. You, you know what? This, I, I lost relationship with this. It, what, or what if he's like me and he's a youth pastor and he has influenced a bunch of people. And then once he gets out, he starts talking to people and realizing that a lot of them have had really painful experiences with the faith. And he begins to feel bad that he sold that to anybody. And then he, you know, like people's relationship with Christianity often goes through a really- Big mood swings in the first couple of years when they come out of it—a turbulent phase. Yeah, not everybody stays an angry atheist, but but most people have a period where they're kind of angry. Feel like the wool got pulled over their eyes. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to this fellow, but what I'm saying is, is that you know he's sort of assuming like, hey, I, you know, I don't want to end up. I'm not an anti-Christian. Like I'm, I'm cool with Christians, and I'm like, so am I, buddy. But like, but you may go, th- go through some stuff in the in the middle of that.
1: Yeah. Uh I get the impression you would be given different advice to someone who had been married for years to this person than you are to someone who's dating but not married yet. Oh like, yeah. There's a certain sort of sunk cost kind of thing maybe?
0: Yeah, sunk cost or bait and sw- you you know, you were one way when you got in and now you're changing and you go like that's kind of hard on the other person like you may owe them more effort. Mhm giving it a try. You may have kids and the the kids may be at tender ages. You may have a whole lifetime of experiences and shared friendships and shared relationships. You're like, yeah, it's sunk cost or just investment or just, I love this person. You know, most of us, honestly, I mean, I loved my wife when I got married to her, but like if you'd have all of a sudden, like she'd have been kidnapped and spirited away and I never saw her again, Like, I I didn't know her that well. We we didn't have a whole lot of shared experiences now. We certainly didn't have kids in common. I would have gotten over it. You take her out of my life now? I mean, I've got a friend who's grieving a lost husband right now, who's my age and my level of commitment to their partner. There's no replacing that guy. Yeah. He's like every memory, every good thing in her life, her kids, like she, her grand, like everything is, is, is this guy touches. And so- If you're in that situation, yeah, you don't walk away. You try to make it work. And like, do I think you can make it work? Yes, I'm sure they, like when people love each other, you can make almost anything work if you have to. But like, I have a friend who was a missionary, overseas missionary with his lovely wife, nicest people you could imagine, right? He loses his faith in the process. She doubles down and stays, gets more faithful. They come back to this country. They're settled in. They're raising kids. They're doing the whole. Their, their kids are growing, but they're like taking care of grandkids and all that stuff. And he's like, "I'm not leaving. I love this woman. We have a whole life together. I'm not leaving." He sort of say like, "So how's it going?" And he says, "Well, I feel a little bit lonely." Yeah. Like, like I, w- I would be lonelier if I left. You know. So like, he's like maybe I could find another woman who would resonate with me and we could have long, deep conversations about the nature of reality. But then when I would bring up my kids, she would go like, oh yeah, what's his name again? <laughs> right. And he's like, I got this woman and we have long, deep conversations on like what our kids are doing. And then she goes like, what What do you mean life is meaningful even if this is all we have? Like, that makes no sense. If there's if there's no heaven, what's the point? Right. And he goes like, hi. And so like, And you go like, well, he wants both things, and I'm like, yeah,
1: tough luck, bud. No, I know he does. Well, he does. He does want both things. Yeah, right.
0: But but that ship has sailed. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And you go like, well, you who are you to tell somebody that they're not going to be able to have, kind of, have it all? And I'm like, hey. I didn't make it up. I'm just telling you the news. Like nobody gets it. Nobody has it all. Like maybe your partner's really smart, but not so good looking. Maybe your partner's really good looking, but isn't kind to animals. Maybe you're, you know, like, like maybe.
1: <laughs> isn't kind to animals. <laughs> right? Uh, like, yeah. like
0: Alain Dupaton has this great article that he published in the New York Times a number of years ago called On Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person. Oh yeah. And his basic theory is everyone's the wrong person. <laughs> and if they're not the wrong person, when you marry them wait a few years and they'll become the wrong person and that and that really marriage is about trying is, is figuring out how do you negotiate and navigate the wrongnesses and the incompatibilities and the things like that and so like it's it, you're going to be managing stuff i'm just saying like look if you see a big one like this before you before you lock in you might want to think twice because there's a bunch more changes that you're going to have to deal with what if she gets rheumatoid arthritis? What if you What if you get Alzheimer's? Like what if What if you lose your job? Like what if you get hit by a car and become disfigured? Like so many things can happen that will put stress on your. What if you have a kid with Down syndrome? What you know? You're really if, what, up in the romance here. I'm just saying this stuff happens, and you go. <laughs> like, wait, are you saying that if you have a kid with
1: Down syndrome, there's a higher chance that you'll divorce? Of course. Yeah, you're saying there's lots of stressors on marriages on long, long, long-term so relationships. So don't do any optional ones? Don't do any optional ones or limit your optional ones to smaller don't do things? Any bi- don't do any big-ticket optional ones if you can get away
0: with it. If you're stuck on a desert island, right, and you have two choices, like, okay,
1: make it work. You know what's weird, Bart? I feel like people in this kind of situation, this decision is going to come down to things like self-esteem how much do I think I could leave this relationship oh, yeah, and find someone that's else? That's deep. Yeah, and a lot of people marry for
0: that reason because they go, I'm not sure, you know, this may be the best I can do. Right. And, and that's, a legitimate, that's a legitimate thing to enter into the equation. So for instance, what if this guy's like, this woman is lovely. She is kind. Mm-hmm. She is Really accepting of my sleep apnea <laughs> and 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 my I'm
1: I'm no prize my Tourette
0: syndrome I'm I'm <laughs> no prize yeah I've I've I got some I've got I've got some trauma from my past and like that and she's incredibly patient and you're like yeah you know what okay go ahead you know what that trumps all that right. you
1: like let I'll be your best man <laughs> <laughs> I, like, the, I am not dogmatic about any of this no I understand so you're given some you know words of caution which I think is why he came to you. Uh, but, and, and so I don't think I'm going to be able to nail you down here, Bart. I don't think I'm going to be able to get you to say one way or the other, what he no. should do. No, no, not a bit. I, 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 all I can say is like, I was hoping for a second there, I was
0: hoping. No, I'm like, look here, ask this, wonder think about, about that. this. Think yeah. about this. Yeah. You know, and, and, and here's the other thing. It's like, listen,
1: not every romantic feelings, by the way, that he still had for this woman. You've, you've no, sapped stop. right at him.
0: Stop. You know, when people are in love, they'll listen to somebody like me, and they go, "Like God, what an asshole!" Yeah, he, right? he, he doesn't get. <laughs> he it doesn't at understand all. us. He doesn't understand <laughs> us. He doesn't. Our love can. Our love is stronger than any. Yeah, than any yeah. difficult. You know. It's and like, on some it, level, that's right. On some level, yeah. Statistics would indicate otherwise, <laughs> but um, what what I will say. What I will say is this, though, and that is that Esther Perel says that the best marriages today are better than any marriages in history because there's equality, people live longer and they and, and their sexuality can continue longer because of medication and modern healthcare. All these good things that, that make it possible for a marriage to be great. But she said, those are the lucky few. For most people, marriages are put under way too much pressure these days because people move away from home and away from the people they grew up with. They expect their partner to be their lover, their business partner, their co-parent, their best friend, their workout buddy. And it's too much to ask of a relationship. It used to be that people lived in a village with all sorts of people and the marriage was just one relationship and maybe a, a very functional
1: one where you raised kids together. Yeah, one of many.
0: Yeah. And and you didn't count on that person to be your intellectual equal or your, or your sparring partner or your workout buddy or all those things. And so sometimes the idea that we're holding out is like that this is, if you want to have a soulmate, you got to look out for all these things. And some people are like, you know what, man? I got people to talk to. I got buddies. And they go like, all this crap that you're talking about, you're presupposing that I want a relationship like you want, and I don't. So, so I think like you have to, It's what was it? Is was it Plato or Aristotle who said, know thyself. What kind of relationship is going to work for you? What do you need? So so I think it's really important. And that's why you're like, you're damn skippy. I'm not going to tell this guy what to do. I'm just going to say like, hey, know thyself. Know thy, know, thy, know thy girlfriend. Yeah. And look at trajectory and recognize the degree of difficulty that we're talking about here. And
1: f- check out the other risk factors. And, you know, see. Yeah. It, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, one, thing, one thing that makes me feel good about it is he said that um, they're very communicative. Like, they have, a good, they have good communication. To me, that's a big, you know... Did he like say the, that? Uh, He said, I've been very communicative with her. Uh, see, that's, she, that's not the same thing at all. That's not the same as, the, yeah, them being a communicative couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: like, I've told her how I feel. Yeah, but yeah. But let's assume that they are very communicative.
1: Well, and if they're not, then become communicative. Like, actually have long... Go for walks and have big conversations with each other, but also... Uh, Go for walks by yourself and have conversations with yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously
0: a lot of people go into marriage or go into into heavy relationships or move in together, whatever you want to call partnering up. A lot of people partner up without ever having seen a healthy partnership in real life. And so if you said to them, like, on what relationship are you modeling this partnership? And be like, I know what not to do. I'm not going to do what my parents did. I'm not going to do what her parents did. I'm not going to do what, you know. And a lot of times I'll ask a young couple, like, who do you know that has a relationship that you admire that you would like to be, that you would like yours to to sort of work somewhat like, and they don't have a model. And so I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Like you're, you're trying to build a home that you, that you've never seen. You're trying to, you're trying to, to, trying to, to build a bicycle and you've never ridden one or seen one. You've just heard, heard about them, and and so I think that in a lot of cases, what I would say to to people that are partnering up is that that's not an argument not to partner up, but that's an argument to go like, hey, you know what? I don't have a blueprint. We don't have a blueprint. We should get one. Like we should we should read some books on. We should get some of those John Gottman books about like the nine characteristics of healthy relationships. Like we should study up on this. Like. Like just because we love each other, just because we're turned on by each other, doesn't mean we know how to build or how to operate the kind of relationship that we ultimately want to have. Recognize that you're going to need to take this really seriously. And like when they say like marriages are hard work, I hate that just saying it's hard work because nobody ever defines what the work is. Yeah. What do you have to do? Yeah. I would much rather talk about it in terms of intentional effort hmm Yeah. It's not a negative thing. It's just like, yeah, you're really going to have to think about relationships if you're going to make one work. You got to look with some degree of of clarity at the risk factors and take them seriously.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think out of all of that, this listener should be able to take about five or six points maybe and and use them. So he probably turned off the podcast <laughs> five minutes in. <later. laughs> Halfway through, he's just like- He was like, this I guy's full know. of shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for doing this, John. Like, cause sometimes we pick a subject and we talk about it in such a way that you and I are like, I leave more room. And then this one, I just got all, I I got all wound up. You got all wound up. It's good. I like it. I like this part. All right. All right. Well, listen, people, um, there's stuff that comes on after we're done this part of the podcast, but if you ever wonder if it means a lot to me and to John and, and, and to Katie, who the producer, who you, you are yet to meet verbally, um, if if you ever wonder if it means a lot to us when somebody writes an email and says that was nicer when somebody goes on the Patreon page and says I didn't like that but I like this like anything anytime you're ever wondering if feedback would be useful, don't wonder. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. We love hearing from you. Love hearing from you. And 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 to our to our brother who sent this question, like case in
1: point. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, and join us on next week's uh, Patreon-only bonus episode. Oh, yeah, that that will be happening. That is is a thing. All right, so we'll see you guys later on Humanize Me. Thanks, Bart. To hear an exclusive extra episode every month, please go to patreon.com slash humanize me. You'll also get Bart's monthly newsletter over there and get access to some great Humanize Me merch. Our supporters on Patreon are the ones making this show happen. For more information on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. Also, if you choose to listen to the podcast on Spotify, we have a listener poll that you can take part in every episode, including this one, so join us on Spotify. Humanize Me is produced by Katie Johnson-Smith, me, John Wright, and Bart Campolo. You could be larger than life
0: All right, so those are the credits. Now, who are the folks we got to thank, John?
1: All right, I've got a whole list for you, Bart. Uh, we need to thank Jeff Ford, Jen Greenwich, or Greenwich. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Jen Gold, Jesse Wells, Jim Price, Joel Dye, John Gardner, and Joel Van Gallen that is a lovely list and i want to
0: thank each and every one of those human beings um yeah it, it it i would say it goes without saying but i don't think it really does go without saying that podcasts are this weird medium where i can every podcast is national public radio yeah 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 and we're just so fortunate that we have people that make it possible for us to set aside the time to do this work um it just doesn't really feel like work um and so all of you, just thank you. I mean, it's funny, like some of those names are people that I've known for a long, long time and and people that are doing good things in the world, people that really are pumping out the kind of love and the kind of connection and the kind of care and the kind of good work that we believe in and that we're trying to encourage people to do. And so yeah. like, it's pretty exciting when... You know the people that are making the thing go are are are, are also th- th- like they rep- they they just represent the whole spirit of the thing. It's so thanks, yeah, thanks everybody, really.